Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Eject Rejects, episode two of season two. I'm Ian. I'm Forrest. And I'm this movie was fucking awful. Jesus, fuck, man. Oh, new nickname for Bullwinkle over there. This movie was fucking awful. I'm Jacob. Uh, Well, (laughs) the the title of this movie is called Robot Jocks, and this was was my pick. And uh, I I do have to say I'm very excited for this episode. I've never seen such a strong emotion out of Jacob, as I'm sure you all just heard right now. And, and this is going to be great. So um, this film was uh, the last film, actually. This is the film that bankrupted Empire Pictures, which is a shocking, a good, <laughs> a good favorite Jesus. of uh, Forrest and uh, mine for for producing of films. They have come out with such gems such as uh, Reanimator, um, Ghoulies from Beyond. Yeah, don't put me in the same sentence of Ghoulies. It was, it was a big hit, though. Ghoulies was kind of what made Empire... Ma- I mean, they made so much money from that It was Gremlins with toilet humor. The point is, is the Empire Pictures made a lot of money off of Ghoulies, and therefore it led them to a bunch of other films. And basically, with a, just a brief synopsis of what happened with Empire Pictures, is over time, they just kept on throwing more and more money in the movies, and they kept on having flops after flops, and then they blew their entire load on... Robot jocks and um, failed miserably and then completely went under, mm-hmm. um, which, as we get into this film, it's not 100% surprising. I'm not going to say I, I, I love this film, uh, but there's a number of reasons why I want to talk about this. There's another thing about this film that is uh, very important for, for me and also I'm sure for Force as well. This is directed by a director we've mentioned more than a couple times on the show, Mr. Stuart Gordon. Yeah, uh, the director, get it, Gordon. Yeah, Mr. Stuart Gordon, great, great director. Rest in peace. Uh, he did Reanimator, he did From Beyond, he did the movie Fortress, which we reviewed in season one, and he's done a bunch of other films as well. And my shameless plotting here of castle freak everyone go see that movie it's fucking awesome just be prepared for a couple scenes that might cross the line for you oh yeah I'll just yeah, cannibals eat nipples oh, spoilers well we're not spoiling this film so that's fine <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about the uh actors and actresses in this movie Senior i definitely Forrest. do so carrie or carrie gary graham is our main hero anti-hero of achilles he was in the TV show of Alien Nation. He was a guest star in a few Star Trek episodes. Actually, and a lot of Star Trek stuff. It was Enterprise, if I'm not mistaken. And he was also the Voyager, too. I'm a huge Star Trek nerd. Yeah, we both are. So, Cary Graham. Gary Graham. Apparently, he's Cary Graham to me. Um, there was Anne Mary Johnson, who played a Tubi, or a genetic amalgamation of human DNA as Athena. There was uh, Paul Koslow as Alexander, our main vampire, broody Russian guy. Vampire? He had a shit ton of vampire impersonations. There was one scene where Gary Graham is like, you make my beer a curdle, and then he immediately follows it up with, you make my beer taste like blood. Like, what the fuck was that supposed to be? Stupid. Stupid. Just... I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. Michael Aldridge as Tex Conway um, and Jeffrey Combs as one of the most important characters in this film, a spectator. Yes, he was just a bit part. I also have to throw on there uh, uh, Danny uh, Kemakona, 
who played as Dr. Matsumoto, who was kind of the designer of these robots that we're getting into in a second. I also believe that he starred in a knockoff film of this, which I haven't gotten you to watch, so I'm not sure I'm going to because Jacob is going to kill me. Oh, that's that called too. Robot Wars. Um, he's the evil antagonist in that film. Oh. And then, um, yet again, continuing on with Stuart Gordon's um, tradition of always having uh, Jeffrey Combs in the films, as he also has his wife, Catherine Pretty Gordon. She played a bit part as well, um, but she was in this film too. Yeah. This film had a lot of TV and secondary actors. Paul Coslow is probably the more recognizable name. He was in Vanishing Point. He's played a lot of various villains throughout TV series and um, movies. The budget of this, I know we mentioned it potentially about the the Kind of gone back and forth, yeah. 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 So the budget for this was... 10 mil or we agreed that there was a blurb from Stuart Gordon that was closer to six or seven million and then so grossed just, a million that's so, just anecdotal the 6.5 million is anecdotal yeah. from it's been quoted from Stuart Gordon while everything else was reported as 10 million so just kind of take it take it as you want I do have to make a good point about that. The reason why we're focusing on the budget here is, is we'll get into it a little bit later, probably after the ad break, when we get into more spoilers and opinions on the film. Um, but I do want you all to kind of keep that number in mind. Let's just say between six to ten million dollars during 1990. Okay, so think about that budget of the film when we talk about stuff. Yeah, this film itself is a huge insp- inspiration from Transformers line of toys and also the Iliad. Stuart Gordon, being the director and the writer, had a lot of inspiration from those two and wanted to make his own sci-fi epic. The film follows nations that are now doing disputes over land and political needs through giant robot fights. It opens the scene in the movie with a wonderful little intro of a cold scene with uh, robot parts and thumping and rumping in the background of the narrator. It's a very good cold opening that I really appreciate it and also cold because it takes place it was in, in Siberia. Siberia, which odd point in that beginning it says this is the the battleground. Siberia, blah 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 blah. This is where all the fights are taking place. Then all the consecutive fights in the film were done in a completely different location. Well, no, they specifically said that at that point they were fighting over Siberia because that's how nations resolve their territorial disputes. So, so it's a post-apocalypse, right? World War III has happened, war is outlawed, and now all disputes between various countries, meaning Russia and the U.S., because that's all that really matters in this film. Mm-hmm. Post, Commies. You know, during the Cold War, you know, this is right around that time, um, during the end of the Cold War. And, um, yeah, basically... Because war is outlawed, which is just a hilarious concept, I think, of like, oh, you can't come onto our territory with guns, otherwise we're going to arrest you and our police. But instead, they resolve everything through these gigantic rock'em, sock'em, gladiatorial robot fights. Yeah. Yeah. And if this movie sounds hokey to you, it's because it is. It is. This is a B-movie independent thing. This is a fucking C-movie. Fight me. Oh, my God. So typically, it's me that derails everything. Um, it's not going to be the case this time around. So I'm sorry if it's going to be a bit of a culture shock for you guys. That'll be me. Fuck this movie. <clears throat> Continue. Are we going to at least use lube or are we like bite the pillow and go This again? movie doesn't deserve lube. <laughs> bite the pillow. I don't know where to go from there. I'll pick it up, I suppose. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, so that's the synopsis of the movie, right? So, and where it takes it from there is it basically follows these characters that Forrest had mentioned, um, Achilles, um, who is basically the top fighter for the U.S. Um, I think it's supposed to be like the United Nations or something. It, it, it's, it's America. It doesn't really matter. Um, Both, it's it's yeah. America versus Russia. It's, it's very stereotypical 80s Cold War kind of film. Um, so you've got Achilles. And they kind of establish in the film that these fighters that they're called robot chocks, they basically have contracts or, or agreements. They don't really get into too much detail on it, which I'll talk a little bit more about later. But basically, they have a contract where they have to do 10 fights. And then after 10 fights, they're free to basically pursue their lives in whatever means necessary. It's almost like an indentured servitude kind of thing. But they don't really establish why that's there, regardless of which... Achilles ends up having his 10th fight against his rival, who is the best gladiator for the Russians, Alexander, over Alaska. And that's basically the crux of the movie. And during the fight, something happens, which we'll get into probably during spoilers, which then results in basically the plot unfolding as it is. You counterpoint that with also the fact that um, Athena as Horace mentioned, is Tubi is basically a tube-grown human. And so she doesn't have a mother or father or anything. She's just an amalgamation of DNA. And she and her other crop, because they're basically referred to as not even human and many times in the film. Just um, They're just, they're yeah. Tubies, they're things. They're like almost automatons, piloting automatons. Um, they're like the next generation of robot jocks. You've got a little bit of that like old versus new philosophy. Actually, you've got that a lot in the film now that I think about it. And that's kind of the romance slash conflict outside of the gigantic Rock'em Sock'em robot fights in the film, which we can get into as well. The, the stop motion in this film is a center point for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to say that in a film that is sci-fi where the a lot of the, the visual points should be the vision of the future. The vision of the future is, unfortunately... I wouldn't say bland, but a little lackluster as mm-hmm. far as its visuals until you get to the robots. The robots are fantastic. The stop motion is hit and miss, but once again, I think it plays with its corny nature pretty well. Jacob? I'm I'm just... <clears throat> I'm going to agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> the models were fun. There was a lot of disappointment winning fights with the models like maybe mm-hmm. they had a lot of difficulty doing the the small meticulous points of the the fighting with the robot so a lot of stuff just kind of came down to shooting punching and then done so as far as the main center point of the film being the characters and the robot fights i was a little disappointed by both the robot fights and also the characters achilles are main characters sexist really boring terrible fighting asshole and i think one of the biggest issues i had with him besides him being sexist is he didn't feel like a storied um fighter uh one of my biggest issues about him as a character is he looks grizzled he's got the the face with the scars everyone's telling you that he is badass but when he finally gets behind the, the vehicles, when he finally shows himself to certain characters throughout the film, he acts more like he doesn't need to prove anything to us, but in, on that flip side, to the audience, he doesn't prove to us at all. So I was a little disappointed about that. Um, I, I don't know how else they would have been able to do that, because 
what fit in with this character fit in with the film. I just don't know if I liked his character. So um, I also want to talk a little bit about you were mentioning stop motion stuff. So so as I'm sure all of you listeners will realize that I'm a big A's fan, as is Forrest and as is Jacob. And I also I like it because there's certain things that are just no longer done in film. And that doesn't mean that they're good or bad. Um, that just means that I like that specific style. And I personally really like stop motion. I like that style. Um, I like matte paintings. I like physical stuff. I like CGI too. Um, but this film, I like it because it gives me a sense of nostalgia in a lot of ways for that kind of stuff that's not really done anymore. Um, I personally really like the robot designs in particular. Um, in particular, Alexander's uh, robot mm-hmm. as, it, as it changes and morphs throughout the um, the movie. Really kind of interesting robot design, which is kind of fun. These are gigantic robots, by the way. This is like Voltron, Pacific Rim style yeah. stuff. And speaking of Pacific Rim... Um, Guillermo del Toro drew a huge amount of inspiration for this movie to make, which is one of my top ten movies I couldn't live without, Pacific Rim. Um, so there's, if you've seen Pacific Rim, um, go and watch this movie, and you'll definitely see where he got a lot of inspiration no, from. So. No, don't watch this. <laughs> watch Pacific Rim. You didn't even watch Pacific Rim. Yeah, but I'll take his word. If it's in his top ten, I'll take his word for it that Pacific Rim's a good movie. Is this going to be you the whole episode? It might be. <laughs> I don't know if I like this Jacob anymore. I'm I'm enjoying this just The fine. old Jacob is dead until this episode is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple other things I just want to talk about with getting into too much spoilers. So this film, like Forrest was talking about, has a lot of things that they allude to, but they don't really fully flesh out in the film they really touch on a lot of interesting themes about like you know with athena being a 2b and that whether that makes her human or not and you know they kind of have this undercurrent of um kind of like value for human life and stuff like that there's also a lot of um what i think are attempts at satire in the film which makes it makes me feel like this is almost trying to be a paul verhoeven movie and if you've seen robocop and you've seen starship troopers you know exactly what i'm talking about this movie tries to do that as well and they just don't with a lot of these things i'm talking about they just don't meet the target it's like they start on something and then they just don't flesh it out enough and i think that's really my biggest disappointments about the film is it's got so much potential this is almost like my six string samurai how i went on my rant in six string samurai about how they had all these ideas and they just didn't know which one to go with i feel like with this one they had all these great ideas and then they just didn't do anything with them for whatever reason that is so what i want to talk about with that is a huge difference between soft world building and hard world building and what i mean by that is the rules and the structures of a particular story soft world building is when the story itself gives you the the rules after the fact without explaining the rules a good example of this is spirited away if anyone likes studio ghibli movies there's a lot in that movie where they say do this so it doesn't do this they don't explain anything before or past that point they just tell you the rules right now to get you past that one point in the subplot. And then you have hard world building where it gives you the exact examples. It lays the rules of the world down on the line. This film is much more soft world where it shows you what the world wants and demands from everyone but doesn't give you a reason why. 
which when I first saw the film, I was a little disappointed. Then I realized after that, no, that's, that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the main point of the film rather than the world building. World building was good, but could be a little more desired. So there's a few points where it was suggested that if you have more kids, you have more lodgings, you get bigger rooms, more fancy uh, decor and uh, utilities. If you are um, a robot jock, once again, you you have to sign on to a certain amount of fights. Um, a lot of people can't read or spell, and doesn't specifically say that. It just alludes to it and we just guess that that is the case for a lot of these characters and then there's a lot of people that are outside seen with n95 surgical masks cough cough corona yeah another one as well is uh when achilles goes to visit his family after he leaves and so on and so forth um he's like sitting at the family table and then i think that was actually Catherine pretty uh, carolyn pretty johnson who or gordon who was playing the, oh, the, uh, wife? the wife yeah i think yeah. that was her if i remember correctly um and she says it's a big night tonight we're eating meat and then she shows oh, yeah. a and then she shows a pot of basically looks like beans and there's a single hot dog in there for this entire family of like three kids and him and and I, that's like the stuff where they do a lot of interesting like oh that's kind of interesting but they don't really explain it or do anything with it. and it's it's super disappointing Yeah, I can agree with all those points. So with that, I think we're going to head on into our scheduled commercial break. Before we start with spoilers. Woo! Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our commercial. We're going to jump into more spoiler rest territory. And excuse me while I go put on my helmet and hide in my trench as Jacob comes to attack me in this movie. Joke and cover! Evasive maneuvers. Serpentine. Okay. <clears throat> Do a barrel. So... Where where to start with this garbage fire that was a film? Let the hate throw through you. Yeah, <laughs> good, something good. that something that Forrest brought up <clears throat> in the first part. Achilles is one of the worst protagonists I've ever seen in a in a movie. He's an unlikable prick. His motivations for doing what he was doing were fucking subpar at best. He, the love story that they shoehorned in between him and Athena was half-assed. I, even if she was just a test tube thing, how could anybody fall for like? Uh, okay, all right. I'm gonna get ahead of myself. I need to. I need to calm. I need to calm. Would you like me to rub your belly <clears throat> and whisper, "Nani, nani, nani"? I might. I okay. might. I might need that. I got you. So. <clears throat> just going back to going back to Achilles just he he doesn't have any real character development throughout the film like i said it everything mm. everything in this film to me personally and I'll, I'll preface that now you guys may disagree this is all just for me sure this is this is your super for this me. this is this was one of the most half-assed films in every sense of the word for me in everything i feel like they had a good idea but because of all the problems behind the scenes, because of and I, you know, and I and I can't blame, <clears throat> I can't necessarily blame it on the actor. I don't know if it was him or not. I don't know if it was the writing. I don't know if it was the whatever. But I'm so sorry. He was a fucking terrible character, and I find I found it so hard to root for him throughout any part of this movie because he just ah, uh, he was just such a dick. It, it seemed it seemed like that was his only character trait. Was I'm an asshole? Oh, and oh, okay. Some people died. Now I have feelings. Mm, 
wow, that girl's got a nice butt. I'm going to fall in love with her now. Nah. Like, bite me. Fuck. Go ahead. So um, I can't disagree with you on most of those points you're making, Jacob. Um, I have to agree. Yeah, Achilles is unfortunately not a great character, and it sucks because I kind of see what they were trying to do with them. So so this is where I'm going to disagree with you on the character development piece. Okay, so I feel like there was character development with Achilles. It's just it was handled extremely poorly, and it was done in a way where any interesting stuff you might care about with him as a character was overridden by the fact that he was a, a sexist asshole pick like i will completely 110 percent agree with that so so the big thing that happens in the film just so we can understand why we're talking about this is achilles has his 10th fight over alaska like we talked about in part one and what ends up happening is when he's fighting alexander um alexander goes into a rage because he's like this raging angry gladiator type character um and achilles is about to defeat him and alexander like does this hail mary shot where he basically shoots um, his hand that turns into a missile, which is amazing. Um, and Achilles tries to stop the the hand missile from because it goes wild from basically impacting into the crowd and killing a bunch of people. And in the process, he ends up falling on the crowd and killing a bunch of people anyways, including poor, poor um, Jeffrey Coombs. Um, but my point that is, is after that, he's like, oh, I'm done. I leave. You know, I don't care anymore. I did my 10th fight. And that's supposed to be like him having remorse and him having value for human life, which I think is kind of what they were trying to do in the film. Um, but then right after that, he's also like, look, like you're saying, looking at Athena's ass and being like, you know, it doesn't matter this test tube, you know, test tube grown. This still feels good on the inside or whatever horrible thing he says. And it's yeah. like, what? <clears throat> yeah, I can agree with that. Okay. <clears throat> Another point. I also think it's really stupid that they had a crowd there and that was how they, that was how they had him have have um, feelings for people. What in what fucking right world would we have a crowd of people there in the midst of a humongous fucking? However, how would you how tall would you say the robots were? Like the size of skyscrapers, skyscrapers size yeah, maybe. They're, they're pretty big. They're okay, pretty big. so why why would there be a crowd of people there to begin with? Why would we have that? People are stupid. Um, well, I agree. Sake of the plot, and also during Civil War times, there was a lot of people that hung out by the hillsides during certain battles to spectate. Mm-hmm. Not to say it was smart, but people did. But it's it's just it's it seems like yes, you can use the people are stupid thing, but Jesus, Christ, like make make it to where the battle gets so intense that it actually goes out of the fighting field and people die that way. Oh, that like that's money, man. We can't that, like do that. that. No, but that like even that's so simple and it actually kind of makes sense instead of oh hey, there's a crowd of people here who probably had to sign some fucking waiver saying they, they that hey, you're going to that you're going to yeah. Okay, so they did establish that. Yeah, you're right. I do remember that now, but it's such a stupid way to me to do that. Like uh, so I, I feel your pain, and I agree with you. At the same time, though, I think that that was, like we've been hinting at this, I've been talking about this, Force has mentioned this as well, is this movie has a lot of interesting ideas that they just don't develop in a way, and it just looks very poor. And this is another example of that, where it's this post-apocalyptic world. You've got this kind of undercurrent of devaluing of the human life and human condition, if you will, which is almost Blade Runner-esque, if anyone is familiar with Blade Runner, won't get into it. But you've got that kind of element of it. You've also got the satire element with Paul Verhoeven and all that, you know, in that film. And that's like what the film was trying to do. And it just did it so poorly. So I I just, I, 
me being interested in screenplay writing and stuff, I see what they were trying to do, and they just they unfortunately didn't do it well enough. Yeah, it it just would have given Achilles more of like you would have like, cared I, about it. I would have cared about it a little bit more because then it's like okay, like he could have said something along the lines of like, like well, those people weren't a part of it. Like we killed people that weren't a part of this. Yeah, sure. So if they had, if you know, if the fight had broken out into it into the town or something like that, then it's like okay, so Achilles does have a heart. No, these fucking idiots were there sitting. You who brings their kids to a fucking robot fight? You fucking moron! I'm sorry for getting so loud, <laughs> but ah, uh, oh, oh my god! Maybe this is an offshoot of Idiocracy. Remember that movie? Yes, that's a that's actually a kind of a hidden gem movie. It's it's not great, but it's got some really good ideas in there too. It's a wonderful movie. Well, Electrolytes, Plants Grave. Yeah, it just it would have it would have made the story a little bit more in the feelers for me this is all me personally i know this film is loved by millions of people or not millions but it's, it's, a, cult it's, film. it's a cult film so it's loved by lots of people i don't fucking get it but hey you know what and, and i'm someone who tries to find good things like i found things to really true i found really good things to like about um six string samurai mm-hmm. poor film always gets beat up by you guys no i dude at the end of the day i really do like that film just but it's i don't because it's because it was so goofy that I just loved it. And something else that that movie, and this is this is going to go into something else that really bugged the shit out of me. So a good thing about Six String Samurai, the fight choreography was fantastic in mm-hmm. that film. I loved it. This movie's fight choreography for being a film about fighting robots, about people who were supposed to be all about fighting, was fucking dog shit. Which, are you referring to like the training scene stuff? I'm referring that to was... all of it. I was about to say, the human scenes were also pretty lame when it came to fighting. The robot scenes, as I all mentioned earlier, were a little lackluster for being the center point of the film. Like it devolved into shooting, punch, and then done. This, movie, this movie's like on a base level. This movie is about fighting. Base level, it's about fighting. Sure. The fight choreography is fucking bad. Like, I can agree. I, I cannot. And, and it, it just, it was a fucking nail in my head every time I saw really awful choreography, which it blows my mind that a movie that I would imagine had a lower budget in Six String Samurai had such a good fight choreography. Well, let's let's actually talk about that because I think that that we t- talked a little bit about this off off recording here as well. Is is let's talk a little bit more about the budget and these mm-hmm. things because, uh, as I think everyone who's listening has gotten the point across now. So I'm going to keep on hammering into the head. This movie has a lot of things that are interesting to me, but they never took it far enough. Jacob seems to be emulating that with the fact that he was quite frankly offended by the way that they portrayed things, which I, I can't disagree with. Um, and what what happened with this film because. This film was anywhere between six to ten million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So, I have to say, the reason why I want to talk about this film, not only because I love Rock'em Sock'em Robots and I love that schlocky shit out there, is this film was very, very frustrating for me because it has so many missed opportunities that's like they tried. And I think the thing that makes me confused about this movie is I don't understand why it didn't be better because. On a budget of between, let's say, 6 to $10 million, I'm sorry, there's no excuse. Fortress came out two years after this film. Fortress had a budget of anywhere between 8 to $14 million. Way more impressive, um, expansive sets and, and things like that. Or uh, just, just take Stuart Gordon in general. Okay, His first film was Reanimator. That was an estimated budget of under a million than he did From Beyond. From Beyond has amazing, amazing practical effects for, for the time. 
granted. Oh, yeah. um, Three point five million. So why the hell did he was he not able to do something more impressive? The fight choreography, like you're talking about, Jacob. The the, the robots. You know, the, the, even just the, the the feel of the world. Why wasn't he able to do something better? with the budget that he had at the time. And I, I don't, I can't think of a good excuse for it, to be totally honest. And it's very disappointing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know we mentioned it once again, kind of off camera that maybe there was some sort of dispute with the production company yeah, and Stuart maybe. Gordon itself. But on top of that, Stuart Gordon has done multiple films for these guys. So I feel like if they had hope and, uh, inspiration drawn from his vision they they would have let him do whatever he wanted to do and give him all the resources resources that they had yeah um and you know there <clears throat> there's another thing there's, it's kind of moving on from a little bit some of the editing in this film really bothered me okay interesting right um and it, it well, uh, okay and and I'm going to say this because it ties in to the really, like I said, shoehorned feeling of the love story mm-hmm. between Achilles and Athena. Okay. Because there was, and I remember this very vividly, there was a scene where they had just gotten done arguing, right? They were arguing with each other. They, was, they were throwing things. Yeah, like it was a lot of that. And then what happens is it cuts to the next day, or what I would assume was the next day. We saw nothing. We saw no resolvement of anything, but it cuts to the next day of training, and they're both smiling at each other, and they're both making googly eyes at each other. What the fuck happened between you guys literally throwing shit and breaking shit in Achilles' room? I can't talk when I'm angry. In Achilles' room to the training, what I would assume is the next day, what happened in between there? Do you guys have, go have makeup sex or some shit? Because we didn't see it. Oh, you're referring to the scene where Athena basically. So, so the reason why Athena is kind of interested in Achilles the Star is because he's this legendary fighter, and because she's, as they refer to her as a Tubi, and she's never actually actually fought. She's just done simulations, and she wants to learn from Achilles because she's like, you know, oh, there has to be some secret why you're so damn great because mm-hmm. you know you're just an ordinary human. You aren't engineered to be a fighter like I am. You're referring to that scene, right, where she gets disappointed in the fact that he's <clears throat> basically an ass. Yeah, and they, they started. Bar yeah. scene, I and think. they started arguing yeah. with each other. They, yeah. and they, then had, they leave. And they then had they, a legitimate yeah. fight, and then it cuts to the like the next scene is them in training, and they're making like googly eyes at each other and smiling. And isn't it, that the scene where she's also naked? She's just like stripping down in front I, of them. I just I, I can't remember anyway. Oh, when she's like inspect my body or something like that. I don't remember. It's, this this film is also really cringe. I oh yeah, it's go well, ahead. go ahead, Vorce, Yeah, so. I liked Athena, but I didn't like her with Achilles. Uh, to what Jacob said here, the relationship between them was odd. I liked her initial intrigue towards him, where she thought of him more as someone for her to study. And then when she finally gets a wisp of this human will that he has, she realizes, oh, it's less of genuine skill and more of instinct, and I can't emulate that because once again i haven't fought before so i'm only trained for skills so it just didn't connect with her and i thought that was an interesting scope but her character was uh, it made some decisions near the very end which resulted into a very fun if not maybe anticlimactic fight with her and the um the proposed bad guy of the film alexander Mm mm-hmm do well go ahead jacob so i and i'm shocked i'm even going to do this but the the justification i would have for her making any weird decisions is the is that all of the test tube test tube babies are naive 
Yeah, they're all been, assholes. They've, they've, yeah, and they've been raised up I mean, to literally in this film is to literally asshole. do one thing. <clears throat> so I can kind of excuse any really weird or bad decision that they make, just because of damn it, I hit the mic. <laughs> just because of any, because of the naiveness of all of them. That would be my little half-assed excuse for them, but it still doesn't justify this film being. Well, I want to circle back to the budget piece as well because you brought up something off 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 recording, Jacob. That I thought was really good when you're talking about the 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 writer, right? Right. Yeah. The um, I didn't hold on. I, I was more prepared. His name was Joe Joe Haldman. Okay. You were mentioning that there was disputes between him and Stewart. Yeah, I looked. I I found it, and there was a lot of disputes going on between him and Stewart Gordon while. Uh, Mr. Haldeman wanted more of a serious, dramatic film. Stuart Gordon wanted a little bit more of a goofier, lighthearted film, which makes more sense of a for children's Stuart film. Stuart yeah. Gordon, like it was quote, it was, and I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing here a little bit, but it was something along the lines of Stuart Gordon wanted to direct a kids' movie that adults can enjoy, while Mr. Haldeman wanted to make a film that for adults that kids could also enjoy. Mm-hmm. It was that mixed bag. And after a bunch of, I think there were a couple of script rewrites and all of that, Haldeman was quoted as saying when it was released that he was not happy with the product. And he said, to me, it's as if I'd had a child who started out well and then sustained brain damage. Wow. That is a quote from Joe Haldeman on this film. Ouch. Yeah, See, you didn't tell me that. That's, that is that's, rough. I left that's that rough. out. I left yeah. that out specifically to bring it up here. That is from a award-winning science fiction writer. I'm gonna just leave it there. Go ahead. No, and I, the reason why I wanted to bring that up too is because the, going back to what I was saying, I'm I'm really disappointed with the fact that this being directed by Stuart Gordon, who is one of the greats as far as I'm concerned, and and this film really just. It, it lacks a lot of things that Stuart Gordon, I consider hallmarks for Stuart Gordon. One of those things that are hallmarks for Stuart Gordon, if anyone's watched from Beyond and Reanimator in particular, is Stuart Gordon's very damn good at incorporating elements of comedy with something else, whether it's horror or sci-fi. And I think that that might have been what he was trying to do with this film, was he was trying to add in that comedic element like, yeah, I know this is a dumb movie. It's about big robots punching each other in the face to fight over territories. It's like, how realistic is that? And I think there might have been an argument between, like you're saying, there's an argument between um, the, the writer of the original novel or whatnot, and then Stuart Gordon, which I suspect that might be where some of the issues come from. And it's interesting because as a counterpoint to that, um, uh, William Peter Blatty, who wrote Exorcist, mm-hmm. the book The Exorcist, and then also Exorcist, the, the book that came out to be Exorcist 3, Legion. By the way, if you guys want to hear anything about Exorcist 3, subscribe to our Patreon and listen to my review of that movie because I put that on there. Um, those are great examples of a writer directing a film without too much to interference. Unfortunately, Blatty had some influence in Exodus 3. Won't get into it again. Subscribe if you want to read about that part. But um, that's kind of an inverse example of us talking about robot jobs. And I'm curious if that might have been where a lot of these things fell flat. There's a lot of infighting, which unfortunately does happen a lot in movie production. And, yeah. and Heldman was so scarred by all of this, he, he has never been a part of another movie. Oh. This was his only film that Which he is had, a shame. that he has been a part of yeah. because this experience for him was so just messed up. Hmm. He still won he still wrote a lot of books, he still won awards after this, but as far as I could tell and you know, I could be wrong here. I didn't do super 
but based on what I read, this was his only film. Not the first. Time I couldn't find happened. anything else about any other films that he's done. Like he was just so scarred from this shit. So I wanted to touch on some of the humor of this film, since we mentioned that about its general audience and who it was aiming for. Before I wanted to talk about the final fight, because there's a few points in here that I thought were misses and hits, as far as I'm concerned. Obviously, Jacob has a completely different thought of that. One thing in particular about the final fight, but go ahead. The humor was pretty good when it wasn't being brash and sexist when it wasn't going off of the the man stereotypical oh i'm gonna shoot off some pot shots about being manly and dick sizes when it was doing more of the the goofy schlocky humor i really enjoyed it Mm -hmm. such as the quote that a lot of these pilots have which is crash and burn and they knuckle punch each other with their thumbs up with their thumbs up and it has a correlation to that and at the very end that i want to talk about later that i really enjoyed as far as the stupidest ending that i've seen in a film that made me very talking about that's the best ending in a film ever it's it's (laughs) it's bloody awesome in the worst in the worst way possible but one of my favorite scenes in this is in the beginning of the film achilles is getting into his mech and he's got his pit crew basically helping him get in at one point one of the pit crew members slaps his ass like pretty blatantly in front of the screen you're like okay cool they're sports teams they got to slap each other's ass fine near the end of the movie athena is upset with achilles and basically hijacks his vehicle to go fight alexander in the very end which is a rematch over uh, alaska because the last fight was inconclusive basically exactly and what happens is she steals a suit and she's getting into the mech and the only way they realize that it is not Achilles in this suit, is when that same guy that touched the ass of Achilles earlier in the film touches her ass, she reacts differently than what Achilles does, and he's like, that ass doesn't feel the same, and that's how they realize that that is not Achilles in the suit. Not from the body size, or the fact that she's not responding to him, it's because he touched her ass. Yeah, you know, she's not like, you know, six inches shorter than him or anything else. You know, totally different build, it's fine. That was just the small little detail that I enjoyed, and once again, I'd like to talk about the ending of this film. Go for it. The ending of this film, as I mentioned, was a setup for Athena fighting Alexander. She fails, and she fails in a very satisfactory way because the film sets up that she has the purpose and the drive and maybe the skills to do this, if not better than Achilles, but she does not have the experience or the will. She loses pretty badly, and when Achilles finally gets out onto the field and he says, I'm going to fight you, Alexander, I'm going to kick your fucking ass. I'm going to get in this mech, and it's going to be you and me with a damaged mech. That's when things ramp up. And I really appreciate that up until we start getting epic. It's like it, it teased us with a wonderful carte blanche of, of foods and melodies. And like, this is us. This We're finally going to get spicy up in here. And we get into space. There's there's a scene where we get into space. Mm-hmm. Our mechs fly up, and then we immediately spend the next 30 seconds falling down from space. We get up, and we go directly back down to Earth. There's 
not even a minute spent in space until we are shot down, brought back down to the same exact location of where we started, so it's as if it didn't fucking matter at all. Because it didn't. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Because it, it didn't. That was what I was going to mention. The space scene. Uh, and I, you know what? And I wanted to make a comparison between two arguably bad films, too. Jesus, man. This one, and, this one and Power Rangers. The Power Rangers movie is arguably a bad movie. I enjoy it for its goofiness. But they, Goldar. They, they also had a scene where they went into space, too. But you know what? It actually kind of made sense in the goofiest way possible because they could kill the big baddie and they could stop the meteor that was going to be heading in their direction from hitting the earth too two birds one stone this film they go up into space fly around and end up in the exact same fucking location they were in literally the exact same location the fucking fighting field they were on that's where they end up and it just why why did you need to even go into space was there supposed to be something there was there supposed to be some fighting and you just cut it out or uh well, so I, I want to break down this because the biggest disappointment with this film, and we've been hammering a lot on this film, um, is this is a film basically you're going to watch because you want to watch gigantic robots punching each other in the face. You, you're a fan of Pacific Rim. You're a fan of you know, Power Rangers, uh, Gundam, Battletech, whatever it is, right? You're a fan of that stuff, and therefore you expect some awesome so- Rock'em Sock'em robot fights. There's two in the—well, there's technically three— the opening one doesn't count really because you don't see anything. There's two. The first one between Achilles and Alexander when uh, the fight is inconclusive because Achilles saves, tries to save the Spectre's lives and fails. That one's a good fight and I really like that one. And you can fight me over that, Jacob. I will continue to establish that that's a good scene and a good fight. The second final fight though is not great. And the biggest issue I have with it is they jam in the Athena plot and resolving it with the final fight between Alexander and Achilles because they basically said there's this huge rivalry between the two and they kind of established it's like Alexander's obsessed with being a, a gladiator like that's his life and everything he has to defeat Achilles because that's what he was meant to be and everything they make it this big deal and when he when Ale- when Alexander realizes that he's not fighting Achilles he's fighting Athena because Achilles is left is because he's resolved his you know contract and all that stuff he gets pissed and then Achilles comes and says no I'm going to fight you after all and so on and so forth they jam too much in this one scene. It becomes so elongated and overbloated. And I think something that could have been very simple and could have fixed so much in this film is make it that Alaska gets one or, or the, the fight is inconclusive. Achilles refutes, refuses the fight. Therefore, they send Athena legitimately. She doesn't steal the mech. And you put that at like just after the halfway mark after Achilles leaves. And then it's like, oh, you know, Athena's going to be the next great champion. She's going to start off by, you know, fulfilling Achilles' destiny. And then she loses. And then Russia wins Alaska. And then for whatever reason, without me getting too much detail, let's just say that for that gets contested or, or the U.S. decides we're going to fight you again, Russia. We're going to fight Alexander again. And guess what? We're bringing back our best champion because now Achilles has decided to come back to field. And then you do the climactic fight. So then you're only focusing on the rivalry between Achilles and Alexander, and you don't have to just throw Athena in there as like a subplot. Plus, that gives you three robot fights, gives you more opportunities to do fun stuff, it makes the movie more exciting, and it doesn't leave this huge gap in the film where there's basically just a lot of really, really bad romance stuff between Athena and Achilles. I don't think that's too hard for them to do. I don't understand why they didn't think of doing that. That's actually a really good point. I wanted to derail you just a little bit and mention Chainsaw Cock. 
Oh yeah, well that yeah. was that was great. <laughs> yeah, so there's a part in the, in the final battle scene where Alexander is like unveiling all his weapons, and his robot in between its legs un- unleashes a chainsaw to attack him with, <laughs> and like tea bags him. It's yeah. wonderful. No, the chain. It's great. I will. I will concede. The first fight is good. Because I was still an ignorant fuck at that point. I didn't know where this movie was taking me. I didn't know where this movie was going to take me. I didn't know. You know, I was still full of joy and wonder. And and then the robot chainsaw penis was also really fun. (laughs) I liked 10% of this movie. 10% is still a fucking F. That's fair. That's fair. I'm feeling disappointment from on the, from the other end of the table. <laughs> no, I know. I so okay. Well, we can go back and forth about what we like and dislike about the film, so on and so forth. And, and honestly, I can't disagree with the majority of your points, Jacob. There's a couple that I disagree with, but I think that's a matter of preference. Mm. I think the main reason why I want to talk about this film is because this is a film where I feel had a lot of really, really good ideas mm-hmm. and could have been something that would have been really interesting. And then for whatever reason. It just did not come out properly and honestly came out really bad. And that's why I personally want to talk about this film is because I feel like that there are films that are great and are big successes. There are films that are really bad and are big successes because of things that I don't want to get into right now. There are films that are underappreciated and they're really good and they didn't get to see limelight. And then there's films like this that are that are just bad but had a great potential. It's like that geode that just never got polished all the way and was just thrown away. That's a shame. Well, yeah, and like and like you had mentioned at the end of it, when I was groaning and walking and walking around and pacing and stuff, it, you made a good point. When this is the type of movie that needs to be remade. Yes. Stop remaking things that were already good. I this is agree. this is the type of film that you need to remake. Something that had all the potential in the world. Because this, I love this kind of shit. I, I like I like the robot fights. I like the the really cheesy love stories thrown into all this action and stuff, but it needs to be executed properly mm-hmm. and there needs to be, there needs to be no fucking conflict behind the scenes of it all. And so if Hollywood, if you're going to remake a film, maybe take a look at this one. Mm-hmm. Guillermo del Toro. You made Pacific Rim, right? Yeah. And you didn't make Pacific Rim too, which is a damn shame. So please make this instead. Maybe swing in and take a shot at this movie. Cause I'm sure you could do a good job of it. Yeah, I agree. This film had a lot of inspiration from certain things and also inspired a lot of films. There was a lot of sequels and unofficial sequels. There's a lot of filmmakers that were very nostalgic of this film, such as Del Toro. So I can see where a lot of the disappointment is is lying. One aspect that I did like that I'm surprised we haven't mentioned yet was the the sabotaging kind of going throughout the film. Yeah, we didn't even touch on that, which is a major plot point. Yeah, it, and maybe it's because, once again, you try to focus on the giant robots. Do we even want to talk about that? I mean, if we eh. want to, I just, eh, you know. That part is just, for me, it's so forgettable and, uh, like... I, I don't know, I you guys would probably disagree, but like I said, I, I think that part was also pretty half-assed. I think it's I would I would disagree this half fast. I think that it's act probably the reason why we're not talking about it is because it's the one part of the film that I think is actually like relatively cohesive. It may not be great, but at least it works. Um it just at the end of the day it doesn't really make a huge difference at the end of no, the it story. Doesn't. You know. So I don't even know if I even want to talk about that. Yeah, no, because be honest, the because like, what ended up happening literally didn't affect anything that happened. Yeah. Like both of them both of the the scientist 
who died and then did um did Tex die or whatever his name was? Yeah, Tex. Tex Conway. That Tex was dies. Conway. Conway. He, he jumped yeah. out of the window after revealing that he was a yeah he was a, a, a Russian agent. A Russian agent. Woo! Like, but it literally did not affect this movie at all. And it, it was overall like it was supposed to, and then it didn't. Yeah, it 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 didn't play in like because what we would assume was it was gonna something like that like with that big of a plot reveal it's gonna play into the final fight right? Didn't do it at all. I got it. I got it. So that way you also don't marginalize Athena because pro-feminist here. Going to get a little political. But okay. All right. Check this out. Okay. So you you keep the idea of Tex being the bad guy and he's sabotaging all these fights so Russia can win as we discover in the film. Okay. You make it that that's why Athena loses. And then you make it that maybe she gets injured or something so she's unable to fight. Mm -hmm. And then you combine that with the fact that you have a good romance story. Hollywood screenwriters, if you're listening to this, call me. I will make this film for you guys, okay? So you make that, right? Where Athena has a good relationship with Achilles for whatever reason it is. She gets injured. Achilles is pissed, and that's what gets him to come back to do the fight with Alexander. They discover the sabotage so you can make that part of the story matter. And then they make it like a special thing where they think, where they make Russia still think that they have their double agent. And then they go into that fight, and then what ends up happening is in the middle of the fight, that's when Alexander realizes that he can't fight dirty anymore. And then you have that epic fight. And then that way you've still got a decent thing with Athena. You're not making it there. She just lost because she's inferior. She lost because she got sabotaged. And I don't know, give her something at the end that she helps She helps Achilles near the end. So you've got that, you know, you've got that equality thing there too and all that. So I'm going to get off of that. That was just something I came up with literally right now. I, I definitely like that. I think the one issue I would have is that may insurrect a lot of the um, co-tangibility they were having with Achilles and her interest towards him that she had the skills but didn't have the willpower she in your in your thought she lost because of sabotage rather than her inexperience so i like that she lost because of her inexperience but i completely agree her fight should have been completely separate from the ending fight sure i think that's really my ultimate point there i didn't like that they jammed those two together oh yeah and i definitely agree with that and real quick you can you can humanize her more by just saying she had a closer relationship with her creator than all of the rest of them, because they kind of implied that. They implied that she was she was supposed of, to be the top star. She was student, implied. Yeah. It was implied that she was kind of close with the creator, but you know, we could just say, oh, that was her mom, and she kind of taught her more human. She they gave her more human qualities, which is why she can kind of relate to someone who's not a test tube baby more or something. Well, and yet again, it's an, it's another thing that they didn't really. It's a long shot. Too much detail. It's a long so. shot, but it just doesn't feel shoehorned in there, you know. So. All right, well, um, I think we can get into recommendations. I'm going to start with you, Jacob. <clears throat> Take a guess. Drum roll, please. No. Go watch Pacific Rim. This movie blows. Forrest? I would recommend this film. I, I think we are reliving a lot of moments that we've already touched upon. This was a great film as far as inspiration, as far as execution. It was pretty lame but i enjoyed it so this is going to be an example of what jacob has done in the past where i would recommend this film with a big fat asterisk like done in a hundred font to your standard 12 right with times new roman right eight we're doc <laughs> jokes anyway um comic sans yeah com- god no comic sans please anyway um i would recommend this film if you're a fan of mecca of 80 schlock and of 
you like that kind of goofy stuff and you're willing to look past the fact that it is a very imperfect film and it's got a lot of things that are wrong for it and you're maybe interested in not just the film but also the history of it if you will what like i am um i would not recommend it to the average viewer um but i would recommend it to people that like the kind of stuff that i like not only without that yeah there you go i thought that was a pretty good wrap up Leading into scene rejects. <laughs> dun, dun, oh, so boy. I can torture you guys once again because mm. apparently that's what I do to get my rocks off. The scene. Me as your director. Okay. Laying it down on the line here. You guys are fighters of mechs. One of you will be playing Alexander. The other will be playing Achilles. The scene is that you are doing advertisement, promotional, like, pre-shit-talking fight. Like, right before a UFC fight where the, the guys are meeting each other and shit-talking about saying how bad they're going to beat the shit out of each other before they actually mm-hmm. do the fight. That's what you're doing. Okay? Okay. So, Ian, you will be playing Alexander. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it! <clears throat> Jacob, because I know you love him so much, you'll be playing Achilles. Now, your inspiration, what you guys are fighting over, you are fighting over the last meatball. There's only one meatball in all of the land, and you must get that meatball from your country, your home country. Get that meatball. Go. Give me a minute. Hopefully none of you are vegetarian. Achilles, you are already dead. In here, as I point to my head, (laughs) I will get the last meatball for Russia. I kill you now. Uh, well, wow, no, you caught me off guard there, man. That was good. Um, Just so you know, that was kind of his acting in the actual film. <laughs> Needs uh, more vampire to it. Yeah, that was almost a little Ahmed there. Oh. Sorry, is that meatball not wearing a bikini and scandally Ooh. clad clothing? Uh, then I'm not interested. <laughs> Thank you for not ejecting these rejects. Before we close, though, we do also have to um, say what our next film that we're going to review is. So we have a we have another Patreon exclusive episode coming up, I believe, which is going to mm-hmm. be our off in between uh, Robot Jocks and then our next one. Um, I don't remember what that one is. Force might have to clue me in on that it piece. It is Laham. It is a French um, kind of exploitation film that I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, I know oh. nothing about. So it's going to be interesting. Oh, okay. And then after that, our episode three is going to be Drag Me to Hell, which is uh, by Sam Raimi. Woo! So excited! Thanks, everyone. Bye. Love you.